You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday. Fun show today. I'm joined by WDSU. Uh, sports anchor Fletcher Mackle to cover all things New Orleans Pelicans, Alvin Gentry, and the coaching search. He's got a lot of really good insight into what's going on with the team, and we're going to break it all down for you in today's show. It's going to be my interview with him as we talk about everything that's going on with this team, which is interesting. We talked about it before we even started. I didn't make it into the recording, but for a team that's never been all that good historically, there are a lot of really interesting things going on around this team, just never ending. Just kind of interesting how that works sometimes. Also of note, the Pelicans lost a tiebreaker, by the way, with the Sacramento Kings for their draft pick. It comes into effect after the lottery if neither team moves up. Lottery, by the way, is on Thursday. That certainly snuck up on all of us. We'll probably do a live show for that on Thursday, so we'll have some fun and hang out and see if the Pelicans get lucky again. But let's just jump into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked On Pelicans, I've got WDSU sports anchor Fletcher Mackle. You can follow him on Twitter at FletcherWDSU. Fletcher, this seems like uh, this was a little bit of a long time coming, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, let me say this. I really believe that they wanted Alvin Gentry to coach Zion his first two years. That they knew they weren't going to be a true championship contender his first two years. Could they maybe sneak into the playoffs? Absolutely, positively. And Alvin Gentry's a good man. Everybody likes him. You've got some veteran players, young players. He connects with everybody. I really thought they would compartmentalize what happened in the bubble. Like, just go four and four and look solid, and we'll roll into next season, hopefully make the playoffs, and then we'll reassess going forward and potentially land a new head coach, maybe juggle the roster a little bit. But I think they were so atrociously bad, unprepared, unmotivated that this really did jumpstart the process. I do not believe them when they say, this may have happened even if we'd have gone eight. No, I, I do not believe that for one iota. I think that if, I think they were probably 52-48, bring Alvin back or more, but the way things unfolded in Orlando could not have been more disastrous. And, uh, and they really had to punch his ticket, so to say, at that point. It, it's interesting because before the bubble started, Griffin had said that, you know, he doesn't want to base almost anything too much on just these eight games in weird, unique circumstances, circumstances we've never seen before when it comes to like the NBA and basketball and like, how do you truly evaluate all of this? But to that point, they looked so bad during these eight seeding games, I guess really six, if you want to count it, since like no one played in the final two that you, you have to put like stock into that. You almost have to put a good amount of stock into it with just they had a golden opportunity. Almost everyone was willing to put them into the playoffs. And like they came out and looked about as bad as possible. Yeah, no, I, I think you're 100% right. And, and I look, I'll say this. I, I wrote a column and I said, I don't think Alvin Gentry is a true believer. You know, David Griffin sounds like a prophet when he speaks. He's very well-spoken. He's very media savvy. He knows how to command the room. And he speaks with that kind of true believer. Look, his, his first press conference, people forget. 
when he was talking about Anthony Davis, he goes, we're going to sit down, we're going to look him in the face, and we're going to say you are all the way in or you are all the way out, and there is no in-between. And I don't know if Alvin Gentry is a survivor, so to say, in the NBA, is all the way in with anybody. I think that that's why you survive with no unemployment whatsoever for 30 plus years, five times as a head coach, because for better or worse, you don't just buy into one ideology. You, you hedge a little bit, you know how to work, you know, the political side of it, so to say. So I just think that Griff was probably, look, this isn't my guy long-term, but I can handle him for another year. We've worked together in the past. He's likable. Personally, we're fine. Professionally, maybe we're not on the same page. But then I think in the bubble, it brought every little issue they may have had from a roster standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from motivation, from the trainers and the coaches. I just think everything came to a head and, and it was all bad. And they just, they were kind of, look, we, have, we cannot, this is untenable. We can no longer go forward and bring all this back next year and try to sing Kumbaya together. I think there was very much, I've talked to people within the team too. There is very much a bit of a growing divide between the two of them. And Griffin, even in his media availability over the weekend, hinted at that to some degree. And I think you could see the like frustrations in Alvin Gentry boiling to the top as well. When he was saying like, it's not my decision to not play Zion these minutes. It's the medical staff and like out of his hands. And he's basically like, go, go ask them. And it got to the point where, you know, Griff had to do some like emergency media availability. And I'm sure he wasn't like thrilled he had to do that. No, you're right. And let me say this. And, and that's one of the things that I think that they needed to get, you know, to use a, a Griffin term or a word I've heard him use, the synergy that I think the trainers felt like, look, this is what we're going to tell you. But look, Alvin's right. That was the one incident, incident where I would back him is. What is he supposed to say? I'm the coach right. of an NBA team. We're, we're, we're blowing a 16-point lead and Utah's closing on an 11-1 run. But you know what? I didn't want one of my best players out there. Like, to win that game, we didn't need him. Like, you're putting him in, impossible, in an impossible situation. So I actually sided with Alvin there. Now, again, he's taken – look, he's been the first one off the boat. and He's taken a lot of bullets for this organization. And I guess they wanted him to take another one. And he finally said, you know what? Somebody else is going to stand in front of me. I'm just going to deflect this and, and somebody else can handle it. But again, it just gets back to the, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Are they working together as one consistent, you know, Ed Ogeron, one team, one heartbeat? Or are they working together, one team, one heartbeat? And I just don't think so. I think that th there was a divide that grew during the season when they lost 13 games. Uh, obviously, Alvin's rotations. I don't know if management loved that. Um, I, I know that after games, they had, chirped at him a little bit about wanting certain guys and certain players to play together more. Um, and so I, I just think that it just became, again, I've used that word before, untenable. I just think that this was the best situation for everybody. That, look, Alvin is, is loved by Gail Benson. A lot of her top lieutenants like him a lot, but they invested big, and I mean big, in David Griffin and Trajan Langdon and what he's doing. So that was, Alvin's only angle to play was, was knowing that it was surrender. And, and I think he resigned himself to the fact, you know, probably late in the bubble that this was coming and it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I agree with 
pretty much all of that. It's interesting because like you've mentioned, there's so many, he's been like a good soldier to a, to a certain point till really kind of in the bubble. I think we kind of saw things start to break. And like, I, you know, I still remember the times when he was trotted out basically in front of the firing squad media with the Anthony Davis stuff when ownership didn't want to talk about that. And Danny Ferry, who was in charge at the time, didn't want to talk about that. And it was like left up to him. And it was kind of a similar situation to this. But I think when it comes to Zion, things are a little bit different. You know, he Gentry's had some reasons why you could say he never got a fair shake on this, I think, with all the injuries he dealt with and everything else. But uh, I think you and I are on the same page here. Like, this had to happen, right? We've seen just for five years now the same issues come up over and over and over again, whether it's the team not being seemingly ready to play a game and coming out in the first half and really faltering only to kind of make it close in a third quarter run questionable rotations. I know fans love to, to scream about the out of timeout plays. It's just kind of the same issues crept up and up and up again. And I think at a certain point when you've got a young developing roster, two seasons of that could be a big issue. So it's probably the right move to make all things considered. Yeah. And let me say this. I actually thought it should have been the move last year, but I, I understand like if we want to do a deep dive on the politics of it, um, the organization felt I think bad for Alvin Gentry that they understood maybe he hasn't gotten a fair shake here. He dealt with injuries and constant change and, you know, more injuries. It was, it was his first year here, Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis missed the end of the season and then missed the Olympics in 2016. Um, Drew Holiday dealt with his situation in 2016. Then in 2017, you kind of pivot to maybe taking a step back and going a little younger with Buddy Heald. Well, then you pivot mid season and trade for DeMarcus Cousins. Then DeMarcus Cousins gets hurt. You kind of pivot again. I mean, look. It's like no coach would have been successful in a situation like that, right? Right. That's what I mean. And so I really believe that Gail Benson and her top lieutenants and decision makers wanted Alvin to stay. And that part of the angle that, that, that Alvin played with them was Griffin had a relationship. And I think Griffin wanted this job. And so I think that they wanted Griffin. Griffin wanted the job. But Griffin was amenable to keeping Alvin and giving him a chance and saying, look, I, I got a 19-year-old superstar. I can work with Alvin for two years. Like he, He's going to be a good man. We're not expected to win a championship with a 19-year-old Zion that I think he looked at it and it was a good situation for, for Alvin, for Griff, ownership. But I just felt like, to me, when an organization starts over, I just felt like they should say, hey, look, we're hiring new leadership and that person gets to pick the groceries that they're going to cook with that anytime ownership forces things on people, be it for the right reasons. I think ownership forced and wanted Alvin Gentry to stay for all the right reasons. But then that does, that's just such a hard situation when you're trying to change the culture and build everything over to say, you have to keep this guy and his staff. And I, so I just felt like it probably would have been better to you know to, to whitewash it last year and start over with the repainting so to say um but uh but look they did it for the right reasons they wanted Alvin to stay for the right reasons but now I think it's look his relationship with Griff has changed his relationship with management has changed um and, and I'm just curious to see who they get because I, I believe this is a different type of management I'm All right, we'll have more from Fletcher Mackles. We continue our conversation coming up here in the next segment. 
But before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just go to the DoorDash app, open it up, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Most of your local restaurants are going to be still open for delivery, so just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities where we operate safe. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast Monday through Friday, breaking down the biggest stories around this team every single day. And there are a lot. All right, now back to our conversation with Fletcher Mackle. Look, when I go to the practices, you know, Dell was kind of off out by his office just watching from afar. Just, that's just, also just kind staring. of yeah. He was right, never maybe, around media or involved in anything. But but even with that say he didn't talk to the players, but I think there's a lot of guys like that. Like look, Mickey Loomis yeah. with the Saints. When I go I go out there, I've been out there every single Wednesday to talk to Drew Brees since the day Brees got here. I've never seen Mickey in the locker room fraternizing with players or hanging out with players. After the game, does Mickey maybe walk through the locker room and pat a guy on his shoulder pads? Sure. Does he have relationships with them? Yes. But he respects the boundaries, I think, of, of coach-player relationships. And again, I don't think it's wrong that Griffin and Trajan and Swin are very hands-on talking to the players at practices, at games, but you need a coaching staff. You need true believers in, hey, this is how we operate and this is what we do. And if I want to go talk to Zion at practice, I'm going to go talk to Zion at practice. And if Swin wants to go talk to Brandon Ingram, then she's going to go talk to him. And like everybody has to be on board with that. So I just think there were a lot of things that just didn't work. And if they'd have won, everybody would have been able to say, okay, you know what? It's not perfect, but we won a little bit we got a bright future and they just keep trudging along. I, I think certainly the 13 game losing streak and then certainly, you know, the bubble situation, I think just, again, it exasperated a lot of what was going to come to a head, but was brought to a head much, much sooner. It, it, well, you mentioned that. And I think that's really where things started to kind of break wrong for new Orleans. And Griffin even said it too, to a degree, you know, he said, we're the sum of our habits and our habits aren't good enough right now. And I think he looked at this roster, this team and felt that they very much underperformed. The defense was never that great. It got really exposed in the bubble too, after, you know, uh, January, February, where they were pretty good. But overall, I think you can kind of look at this team and been like, it should have done better. They should have done more. Yes, injuries were, were a play in all of this. And I think that's where he looks at this and is just like, no, we, we're not getting the most out of the team. We're not being the most efficient team we could. The coaching staff isn't getting the most out of them, whether it's a lack of motivation, whether it's wrong principles, the way they're going about it. And like, that's why I think you can't keep Gentry. You look at this roster, there's a lot of really good individual defenders or at least above average individual defenders. So the defense should never have been as bad as they were. Things like that. 
Sure. And, and look, I remember, you know, Darren Ehrman last year as the defensive coordinator. I mean, there were games where he had Alfred Payton and Etwan Moore as the starting point guard and his in his starting um, small forward with like Julius Randle is is like a starting center slash power forward. And in the length and athleticism that Jeff Bizdelic had to work with, if, if you say, OK, let's replace it's Alfred with data. Lonzo. <laughs> Right. Let's replace Etwan with with Ingram, who's six nine with a wingspan of like seven four, and let's replace Julius with or Marcus Ran- or Julius Randall with with um with Derek Favors. It's kind of like just right there. You'd think, okay, we, we're going to be better defensively. Just the length and athleticism we have should make us better. And they improved one spot defensively. And so that, yeah, I don't understand how they were so bad defensively. Look, I think J.J. Reddick said something very telling early in the season. And I think he was calling out Alvin and his staff a little bit when he said, I've never played in an offense this loose. Like, it was almost like street ball. And I do think they made a concerted effort after that to get plays to him or get him the ball where he wants it or how he likes it because – I mean, look, that's a veteran player who's been there, done that with a lot of really good coaches. Um, and I mean, look, I think Doc Rivers is an underrated great coach. Uh, I think Brett Brown in Philly, I think he's a good coach. I know some in Philly don't love him, but he came from the Spurs. He knows how to coach. They've had some really good assistant coaches in Philadelphia. I mean, J.J. Redick played for Stan Van Gundy. I mean, he knows basketball. And when he says, I've never played in an offense or a system this loose, I think that was a shot at them of, get it together. Like maybe. If oh you, no, it was, it was the, 100%. He, he yeah, was a maybe, little surprised at things in the beginning. And like Derek favors went through a really rough adjustment period to the point where I thought he might actually ask for a trade. Now. I don't know if he wants to be back or not. And I think that's kind of calmed down, but even like uh, Gentry and Lonzo got into it at least early on in the season. And there were like a lot of uh, like personnel kind of issues nothing that was going to rock the boat too much but like i'm with you when you say like the stuff reddick was saying and kind of being upset about all this is probably not like a great way to kind of start the new tenure or direction that the team's going yeah no and so i think that look it just it was time for a new voice it was just and again i think they really need that voice because here's the thing drew holiday has never been in at 30 going on 31 will never be that vocal leader like as a human being he's a plus as an on the court guy who's going to give you defense and secondary offense and secondary ball handling he is plus plus he's never going to be that alpha on the court and he's never going to be that alpha in the locker room he's just not a yeller and a screamer it's just look there's certain guys who lead by example I mean, look steph curry's like that steph curry is not some loudmouth yeller and screamer. He just kind of goes out on the court and does his thing. You know, to me, Draymond and Iggy, those were the guys that were kind of the voices and the leaders of that team. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why I think JJ emerged as kind of the vocal leader in the heart of this team in just year one, because they've been missing it for so long. I certainly think Zion can get there. I don't, Ingram is so quiet and passive. I don't know if he's going to get there, but that's why I think they really need a head coach that, for the collective good, it's going to be, hey, I can speak for these guys. I can be, you know, so to say, the alpha and, and explain what we're doing, how we're doing it, and let people know what's happening. And even in the locker room, I'm not saying they need some bombastic yeller and screamer, but I certainly don't think it would be a bad thing at, at this point to have maybe somebody like that, like a stronger presence, if you will. 
I think that's fair. I think they need to add like some almost degree of like nastiness to the roster. You know, they look a lot of bad body language out there on the court, a lot of just kind of passive play and someone who has like more fight in them that maybe kind of does, you know what you get what I'm saying. You want someone who shows a little bit more passion out there on the court. And then when people see that that guy cares so much and you saw it from Redick in that game against the San Antonio Spurs, like the only one out there who really looked like he cared. And if you can get another guy like that and get the other players to kind of fall in line behind that, because no one wants to be like the one person who acts like they don't care. So if people start to really kind of go that direction, I think that's a lot of what this team's going to look to add this offseason in terms of on the court stuff. Yeah, and let me say this, and I think it starts at the top, that, look, I know basketball people here hate when we do this, but Given the, the 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 close ties with the Saints and the Pelicans, I do it, and a lot of people here do it because they're they're owned by the same person, they're under the same umbrella, on the same campus. But Sean Payton is that leader. He is that elf. Yeah. He sets the tone. And let me say this, and and he is truly a master motivator. Like he knows when his team he like he's never gotten a press co- or rarely in fifteen years has he gotten a press conference wrong where. There's times he knows I need to defend these guys because they played their asses off and they need a hand up, not like a slap in the face. But there's other times where he gets up there and he's and, he, and he's punched them because he knows that it, that's what they need. So, again, and, and that gets that got back to me a little bit like that's kind of that was the moment when I felt like it's over for Gentry because after after the Clippers game, when they were down 40. And, yep. and, and, and after the game, it was, hey, do, do you think the effort – he's like, the effort wasn't lacking. The effort was there. It's like, see, that's where, like, your team knows that's BS. Like, your team knows he's just covering for us. Like, that's when, when you lose by 40 in a game that was almost must win, that's when you go off on your team. That's when you yell and scream and call them out. That's when you throw the chair in the locker room. Like, and, and just, I think Alvin has always been the player's coach. And that's why I think he's a great number two. That's why I think he was Doc Rivers' number two. And by the way, I think Alvin's going to end up back with the Clippers because Ty Lue will get a job and Alvin will go right back to the Clippers bench. But I think that that's why he was great for Steve Carr. He's likable. He's the guy who is kind of the, hey, if the head coach is going to be bad cop, I'll kind of calm it down a little bit and be good cop where he doesn't ever have to be bad cop. And so, and I do think at times that was great. That was fantastic with the veteran team and the Anthony Davis situation. But at other times like this, with this young team, maybe there's, maybe there are moments where they needed to be barked at. And, uh, and, and so, yeah. So, I mean, we, we kept hearing, there were games I remember where, Ooh, JJ yelled at him in the locker room or, Oh, Zion stood up in the locker room and barked at him. It's like, why is the coach doing that? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't it the coach that's the one that knows, hey, I'm going to come in here and raise hell because that's what these guys need. So, again, I just think that it was it was time. Gentry's a good human being. He loved New Orleans. He was good to everybody he ever met here. I hope that people will remember that. But this organization needs a, a different voice and a different leader in that locker room. Uh, I I fully agree, and I think it became very obvious to all of that in the bubble with how the team played. So of those, uh, of that new voice, who do you think they start to turn to? David Griffin has said it's going to be a really, really long process, just kind of given the weirdness of the world right now. But it does seem like this is a good time to be entering the head coach market, so to speak. We'll get Fletcher's thoughts on who he thinks some of the candidates for the head coaching vacancy are here in just a moment. 
But before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Your car is really important. It gets you where you need to go. It's your main method of transportation. And if it's not running or not working well and is going to break down soon, you don't want to be stuck like that. You need that thing out on the road operating as best as it can. And frankly, if something goes wrong and you go into a chain store with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible for them to stock exactly what you need. Or if they do, they have one version of it. They're going to charge you more for it because you're a captive audience. And that's not a situation you want to be in whatsoever. So go check out rockauto.com, a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Their online catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and even prices you prefer. Best of all, speaking of their prices, rockauto.com is the reliably lowest prices for parts that you're looking for for your car. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Those chain stores, they charge you less if you're a mechanic. You're not a full-time mechanic, so don't spend up to twice as much for the same part. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck, literally like everything. Engine control modules, brake pads, even interior carpet for your car to make it look nice and brand new again. So go to rockauto.com right now to search all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com don't forget subscribe to locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from never miss an episode that way and frankly there's new stuff to talk about every single day particularly going on right now around this head coaching search so subscribe to locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from to be up to date on everything new orleans pelicans all right, now back to my conversation with Fletcher Mackle, sports anchor of WDSU. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. I still think there's going to be – there's three jobs available right now. The Brooklyn Nets job, which is a good job too. I mean, getting to coach mm-hmm. Kevin Durant uh, on a championship-ready team is pretty awesome. Um, the Chicago Bulls, which, look, they've got some young talent, but to me, I don't know if it's the greatest job right now, even though it's one of the greatest franchises in NBA history. Uh, the Pelicans' job with Zion, I certainly think – is is a very desirable job because you've got an owner who's willing to spend money and who doesn't meddle. You've got, you know, with Grip, he at least has a ring, been there, done that. Trajan Langdon's got a good reputation. Swin Cash has a good reputation. I think all those things are pluses. I, I still think Philly and Houston are going to come open as well. And I think Philly's a desirable job. And I certainly think Houston is a desirable job. Um, so who do they get to say, to be honest with you, I just don't know. And, and I asked Griffin that question yesterday because unlike the NFL, which is crazy copycat, okay? Like if you look at the NFL, Sean McVay becomes like the it young coach at 31 years old. He, he offensive innovator, young coach. And so then the next thing you know, the Bengals are hiring his assistant. The, the, the Packers are hiring the, the 33-year-old offense. It's just, it's crazy how copycat the NFL gets that once one team does it and finds success with it, the others just swarm to it. Okay. But in the the NBA, right. But in the NBA, that's not the case. Like you see coaches on their second and third jobs that finally have success as a head coach. You see coaches come from the G league overseas, longtime assistants, you know, players that had, I mean, Steve Carr had never coached before 
and, and, he, and he took over Golden State, but nonetheless, he never coached before. And he opened them up and loosened them up and kind of was, you know, took the handcuffs off that Mark Jackson kind of head on them a little bit. So I don't know what he's looking for. Uh, I could see college coaches. Uh, I could certainly see NBA guys who are NBA. You know, Kenny Atkinson, absolutely. Seems like he checks a lot of boxes. Player development. You know, the Pelicans have six players, 22 or younger, plus D.D. Luzada Silver, plus a lottery pick this year. For a player development guy, that's going to be eight guys, 22 or under. That's that's pretty great for player development. I, I could yeah. certainly see, you know, I could certainly see a longtime assistant coach. Like Darvin Ham is a guy we've heard a lot about that's been with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta he seems like in he's Milwaukee. He's going to get a job. Like he seems he's either this year or next year going to get a head coaching job. Right. I may, Yaduka, who, who, who was with, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he, a, a, a journeyman player who was with San Antonio for five or six years. Now he's in Philadelphia as an assistant coach. He's another hot name. So uh, again, I, I mean, I could even see someone like a Jeff Van Gundy recycle back through to Houston or Brooklyn. Uh, it was kind of like John Gruden, you know, he spent a decade out of football, but every year everybody wanted him every year. Everybody wants Van Gundy to come back. So I, I truly am not sure. I could I could make the argument for you know Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, Jay Wright at Villanova, Becky Hammond at 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 San Antonio, which would be a historic wait wait wait, wait 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 wait. You could make an argument for <laughs> Becky Hammond. No way. So let me say this: that I have chosen <laughs> that I have chosen her hiring is as my hill to die on, and so I I would love to see them make that hire. Because look, well, th- that I, that if there was a place where she was going to land sooner rather than later, and like she's going to be a head coach, you're not wrong in this. It seems like New Orleans would be the spot, just given some of the ways the team is the franchise, I should say, is operating right now. Like it makes sense, yeah, with, without question. And look, she knows Swin Cash really well. They played in the WNBA at the same time. They are, you know, obviously never played together, but. They were all-stars together. They were the faces of the league together. They brought that league to a different level together. She she was in Russia playing the same time with Seska Moscow that Trajan Langdon was playing for the Seska Moscow men's team. She was on the women's team. He was on the men's team. So he at least has a familiarity and a relationship with her, even if they just played in the same uh, expats playing in Russia at the same time. Uh, I know Griffin has told me he really likes her. Now, again, liking somebody and making them a leader of your franchise or of your coaching staff doesn't mean that that happens. But I certainly think, you know, obviously she knows basketball. She's put in her time. She's moved up the bench. She, at, she would not at, be at there on the Spurs if she was not a very good coach. Popovich no, is keeping I mean. you if you're not good. Sure. That's what I mean. And, and let me say this. And he didn't have to move her up to the front of the bench. He could have just kept leaving yeah. her at the back of the bench and basically get the message, go someplace else. So I, I so I'm a fan. Plus, look, I understand it's historic. It, it Zion and Becky Hammond puts the Pelicans on TV like 40 times next year. Okay. On national TV. I, I, I'd be selfish in lying to you if I said, I, I didn't think that was good. That like, that shouldn't be the reason why she gets hired. You don't want her hiring to be a novelty. It's not. She deserves to get the job. But the fact that it is historic and she would be the first woman coaching a men's professional sports franchise in North America is historic. And so um, and I like that. I, I think that that's I think that's a good thing. Um, but again, I, right, that's look, a source told me and I told you this as we started this. Don't pay attention to any names you see linked to this job over the next two weeks. And it came from somebody 
that I trust, that I can't express enough how much I trust. So I think a lot of what you're going to hear over the next two weeks is this person's interested or this person's going to get an interview. And I just don't know if I'm going to believe it yet. I, I think that David Griffin goes, look, we don't know what the salary cap is going to look like. We don't know when we're starting. There's so many unknown variables right now that why are we going to rush into doing anything? We're going to take our time. There's there's coaches still in the bubble. Ty Lue's with the Clippers in the bubble. Jason Kidd's with the Lakers in the bubble. I mean, there are, you know, Yudoka's with Philadelphia in the bubble. I've even heard Jacques Vaughn's name. He's, he's with Brooklyn in the bubble. So guys you want to interview, and Griff said this yesterday, this won't be done via Zoom. Like nope. I think they want to. I think they want these people in the room with Gail Benson, with them, maybe even meeting players like Zion and stuff. So they're going to want serious face-to-face time. So I was told over the next two weeks, anything you hear will be agent-driven chatter, and and try not to pay that much attention to it. Yeah. So to clarify on your tweet from the other day about this, it's not that the names listed so far are complete smoke, or uh, I don't want to say complete smoke, are not realistic things or even real names that they will interview. It's just that this is going to be such a long process, as David Griffin said, that there's no front runner right now. If someone's saying we're getting an interview and they plan to interview this person, None of that's being decided probably for a while, because as you mentioned, the in-person thing seems to be really important to David Griffin too. go back to kind of his everything he's said and done since he's taken over the team. It's not just talk about you or hear about your reputation. Think about the meeting he had with Zion's parents the night that the Pelicans won the draft lottery. Think about the dinner that they all had during the pre-draft process at Commander's Palace. Those type of in-person interactions and getting to know someone, I think, are hugely important to David Griffin. So he's not going to make a hire through Zoom or anything like that. No, you're right. And I do think you're 100% correct. I think that he knows one of his strengths is connecting with people face-to-face on a human level, not on a social media or zoom level so i think that he he's smart enough to know his strengths and weaknesses and a strength for him is putting him in a room putting him at dinner bringing him around the facility or her around the facility so i i certainly think that yes he the people that i talked to the person that i talked to told me that the never said the names you hear aren't right those names those people are getting jobs Kenny Atkinson's going to get a job. Yeah. Jason Kidd is is probably going to get a job again at some point. Ty Lue is going to get a job. If the Pelicans were like, we're not going to interview da- or Ty, Ty Lue. If it was like, no, these names are fake. We're not interviewing anyone. Like, if you're not interviewing no, nobody, Ty Lue in this, the, the like, per- that's, a, that's a mistake. <laughs> right. The person I talked to did not say, don't believe these names. The person I talked to said, don't believe any names linked to our job over the next two weeks because. Yeah. We are not starting that process for a few weeks that at some point in a couple of weeks, they will probably start interviewing people or seeing like, look, I'm just using this as an example. I I keep throwing them out there. Like Jay Wright is at Villanova. He could interview now. Okay. Anthony Grant is at the University of Dayton. He may be a wild card candidate. He could interview right now. I I don't think they're interviewing anybody right now. Uh, That's what I was told is, hey, we are like, that's, don't pay attention to this stuff. Don't put my energy toward, I was told, believing anybody linked to this job over the next two weeks because all it is is agent-driven chatter. Somebody assured me that they will not start this process 
for at least another two weeks. Not to say they aren't maybe internally for like right. our, our compiling names, grip, starting sure, to look at compiling things. names, back channeling, talking with ownership. Hey, like this is what we're doing. And then they will probably move forward. But so like if, you know, if on Tuesday a report pops that Jason Kidd is the front runner, it's like, yeah, no. I don't know if I believe that. Or if you hear somebody say, you know, Becky Hammond's interviewing next week. It's like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's right. Like, I don't know if I would believe that, you know, no matter who it came from, because the person that just, again, told me it just, again, over no, the next you're two right. weeks. Uh, this is going to be, th this is not going to get resolved soon. So if people want to find out who the next head coach is and start knowing all that stuff, like <laughs> you're going to be, sorry, left out for a little while because that's not how this is going to go. And they, they know how critical this hire is, I think. I think everyone knows how critical this hire is. And this is not something that they are going to rush. And the fact that people are in the bubble where they can't leave, they're not going to let you leave to go take a job interview. And David Griffin's not going to be allowed back in the bubble to be able to interview some of these people. And they'd probably want to bring others to the interview too. This is not probably getting resolved to like close to, closer to the NBA Finals. So we are looking at like October potentially, maybe even later than that before this kind of uh, gets resolved for the team, I think. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. That I think, you know, again, I, I certainly think that Ty Lue, Jason Kidd, I mean, look, the Lakers may be in the finals. The Clippers may be in the finals. Yep. Milwaukee, we mentioned Darvin Ham. He's the lead assistant with Milwaukee. They may be in the finals. Uh, Adrian Griffin is a name that's been thrown out there. He's the lead assistant coach with the Toronto Raptors. All of those guys may not be able, and again, now that Griffin and these people are gone, they probably can't go back into the bubble. So this, this potentially could could go past the finals. I think they're going to have somebody in place. My gut tells me around the finals. That's when I think it's going to happen. Somewhere in early October. That's when I think they're going to go with with their decision. But I could be completely wrong. It they could wait until after it and then try to ramp up the process and say, "Hey, like we we really we've waited long enough. Uh we got the, you know, the people we want to interview now be it Kid or Lou or or Ham or Griffin." And, and we can go forward now, but I don't know. I just, something tells me that around the finals is when they're going to make that decision. Now, and I mean, look, they want to do their due diligence on this. So you do need to wait till you can interview these people, even if maybe they're not, your like number one on your list or something like that, because you don't know how things are going to go in that interview and in that process. So it's really important. So there you have it, everyone. Great insight from Fletcher Mackle of WDSU, sports reporter, sports anchor. Follow him on Twitter, at FletcherWDSU. And Fletcher, thanks for taking the time. No, anytime, Jake. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. My conversation with Fletcher Mackerel, sports anchor for WDSU, giving you a lot of insight there into what's going on with this team. Some a lot of a lot of behind the scenes stuff right there that you're not going to get really anywhere else. And he is connected to all of that. So big thank you to him. Don't forget subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Big thank you to the sponsors of today's show, RockAuto.com. Right, Locked On in there. How did you hear about us? Box amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need over at RockAuto.com and DoorDash. Download the app. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all tomorrow.